Hi, Tim Cask here. Facing a TV gay and don't know what to do? Well, you might if you had listened to Save for Half. Now that you've cast out the evil sorcerer and taken his treasures and searched his colon for gems, it's time for you to kick back and listen to the Save for Half Sideshow. The Save for Half Sideshow, where it's all fun and games until somebody takes a four-sider to the eye. Adi ho, everybody. Here we are for episode eight and a half, Sideshow, the Christmas Merry edition. Merry holidays. Oh, sorry, I thought we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we're fine. Nobody will notice. Yeah, yeah. With me, the animated snowman of our show, DM Corbett. Hey. <laughs> Happy birthday. Hey. <laughs> And the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer of the show is over there, is DM Liz. Hello. <laughs> Nobody ever wanted me to join in any reindeer, reindeer games. Reindeer games. But you're antisocial, so that kind of works. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Mike, does that make you the dentist? That makes me the <laughs> Baba Yaga of the Christmas season. <laughs> DM Mike. Scourge of Christmas. Arr! <laughs> Oh man, I was here. I was hoping you'd be like the heat miser or something. <laughs> well, I thought about going with, with the Grinch, but that was too obvious. He's more like the Bumble. <laughs> hey, Bumble, what do you think about the gadgets here? <laughs> I don't know, but I hate it. <laughs> Even when I don't. Maybe especially when I don't. In this episode, we cover part two of our interview with Tim Cask being co-hosted by the great DM Jim himself, who came down from his lofty gaming mountain at, at Goodman Games to associate with us holy ploy. <laughs> but first... <laughs> yes? Do you have an email? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right, I've got emails. <laughs> Give me semaphore code. <laughs> Yes, we will answer only in semaphore from now on. <laughs> yes, we do have emails, and I would be quite pleased to be able to read them to you. We, we wait with bated breath. I read all the emails on the face of the earth. No emails were harmed in the making of this podcast. Our first email for today is from GM Mojo. Mojo! And he writes, hello, save for halfers. First, let me say how happy I am that I can still get the old school goodness from you guys. Yes, even Corbett. Even Corbett. <laughs> yes, even Corbett. Even, even me. Yes. Just I as also... good as any other class. That's right. <laughs> the cleric. <laughs> 
I also love the Gagman podcast. I oh, I'm love so them sorry. even more if there is a new episode in the near future. Hint, Are you hint. serious? Oh man. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what he says. He wants to he where where have you guys been anyway? Well, Mike, he's he moves from New York to Washington, which in case for those geographically the, inclined, the other Mike, <laughs> yeah, the the Gagman Mike, Gagman. right? And Dave's mother passed away in the middle of all that too, so it's been kind of a uh, no, no, it's it's okay, it's okay. People, things things happen, but uh, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting back eventually. And now apparently I'm under pressure because everybody keeps saying, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> well, it's it's good to know that that you've been missed. You know, people are obviously enjoying your episodes. So, <laughs> and to an extent, when you're doing a podcast or something, sometimes you feel like you're just kind of shouting into the void, and you're you wonder, you know, are people even going to care if we're gone? You know, obviously people care when you're gone. <laughs> it's true. Well, hopefully you guys will be able to get back to doing your show again too. So. Oh yeah. No, we, yeah. we've, I've got like four recorded. I just haven't been able to edit them too. That's another thing uh-huh. that kind of bugs me right now because I'm busy editing some other show. Oh, oh so it's our fault. <laughs> ah, that's what I see where you. That's going. it. Is it the Emojo? You only get one. Which one? Orbit, Sophie's choice. Activates his flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> It's really Mike and Liz's fault, you see. No, no. Actually, the funny thing is all this kind of hit in one big storm because I, I also got a full-time job where I'm working and stuff now. There's your problem. You're yeah, working I know. and getting money rather than doing podcasts. Well, I'm still doing podcasts, but it takes up a lot of time. Don't worry. Things are going to happen. It's going to be fine. It's all going to work <laughs> out. Everything's fine. We're all fine here. Yeah. How, are you? How, How are, are you? How are you? <laughs> Okay. Anyway, Mojo goes on to say, if I could make a suggestion, what if there were a B team that only created adventure ideas? Each time the B team was on, they would make an adventure for a different old school system. Once a month, you guys could put out the normal podcast, and then (laughs) during the same month, the B team would do an episode. That way, it will not be a strain on the already busy schedules you guys have. Anyway, love each and every episode. Long live pig-faced orcs and puppy cobalts. <laughs> Word up. So, is that a volunteer statement to... Uh... Yeah, I, I, get the, I get the impression that Mojo might know someone. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess, now that we're doing the halfsies. I don't know. If only we knew someone who had some experience with podcasts that design adventures. Yeah, someone like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> oh, Gagman. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, something like that, because I think they do something like that. Yeah, they I think do so. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to rip them off, you know. I remember getting signed on to this saying, ah, we're only going to do one show every two months, maybe. I did no not say two months. You know what? How do we do it every week? Night liar who lies. <laughs> I had thought once a month, but with like one exception that hasn't really been coming about, I'm afraid. Anyway. Well, you hey. got to break Liz's will. <laughs> <laughs> With the with Maybe the holidays, need a B team to keep things rolling. That's hey, true. With the holidays, you know, we're we're usually lucky to get an episode out 
at all at any point between Halloween and the new year, you know? True, true. true. Anyway, well, thanks for the suggestions, Mojo. It will go into consideration. Not a bad idea. Wouldn't we have to do like a half and then a quarter show? Two quarter (laughs) shows and a half show and then a regular show? it's the other half. (laughs) The other (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Half. I don't know. I will say after reading through a lot of these games, I have uh, so many ideas that pop in my head like, oh, that'd be a fun idea. That'd be cool. I mean, I'm sure you guys do the same thing. Or maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on the game. No, I know what you're talking (laughs) about. It gives you, even if you're not really into the game in particular, it gives you some ideas for alternate scenarios for other games. So. Totally. Okay. All right. Of that. Well, I, well, I know after after <laughs> Super Babes, um, probably a lot of things I've had ideas for that this is what I should definitely not do. <laughs> Let me reiterate. I did not subscribe to this comic in the 80s. Okay? <laughs> I just... I heard about it. I read one issue. Just for like, the articles. Just for the articles. <laughs> no, no, that was Hero Alliance. I just read for the articles. Wow. Well, at least they're not trying to pretend to be anything else. So. That's true. Anyway. <laughs> Emails. Yes, our next email from Peter Skeins. Oh, Peter. Uh-huh. Hey. He says, I love the episode on Top Secret. Wonder what everyone's thoughts were on whether the top secret companion adds to the playability or does it make the game overly complex great show keep up the good work thanks peter thanks peter over to you corbett (laughs) there was a companion (laughs) (laughs) yes yes there was a top secret companion i i didn't feel like it added anything it was like i didn't even read it I mean, it could not exist, and it wouldn't change my game at all. <laughs> I feel terrible, but I did not read it. I, did, were we supposed I, to read that, too? What's, what's it no, like? No, it's... No, 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 no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never owned the Top Secret Companion. Mm. I mean, So I honestly couldn't say. I know the combat system, at least the, if it made it more complex, I probably wouldn't have liked it because Top Secret was already kind of on my complexity edge. On the other hand, at the time, I played Champions, so maybe not. Maybe at the time, I would have loved it. So, unfortunately, we can't say. Maybe if we return to Top Secret sometime, we'll cover the companion. Wait a minute. You thought that Top Secret was more complex? Well, I am looking back 30 years, okay? (laughs) So long ago. Actually, it was 40 years, wasn't it? (laughs) Not to throw that out. (laughs) Removing Corbett from the show... <laughs> okay. Where's that button? Right, hey, River Schnipper. Sorry, yeah, it was we'll a long. Fiftieth anniversary of Top Secret or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Peter has a PS. Oh, he thank says, God. <laughs> <laughs> I bought Cyborg Commando after reading one of the novels back in the day. I was so disappointed by the game, and still feel it isn't really playable. Worst ever? Not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> See. I forgot they had novels. I never actually read any of them, but I do recall seeing them on the shelf. Yeah, there were like four of them, I think, if I think, recall yeah. correctly. And yeah, I've never read any of them either, but I know they're there. <laughs> I think the world is pretty cool. Yeah, kind of like what we said. You know, the yeah. game, <laughs> the world was kind of interesting. But yeah, there's another person who... We didn't, we didn't make him buy it, did we? <laughs> yes, we did. Oh, no. No, no. no. Corbett, you made him buy it. 
Well, Liz made them buy Super Babes, so... (laughs) (laughs) I am evil. (laughs) Someone had to. Anyway. Next letter from David Lynch. Man, David Lynch? David Lynch. Almost certainly not the same David Lynch who is responsible for Twin Peaks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, after all, Roger Moore wrote for Dragon Magazine, Mm -hmm. and he was 007. True. This is going no, to be no. Everybody of, wasn't. This is going to be part of my personal headcanon now. <laughs> Roger Moore. Roger Moore, the actor, Everything was in. <laughs> Baba wanted to know about sex <laughs> and D and D. My Roger Moore. Anyway. <laughs> so David, not Twin Peaks, Lynch writes. <laughs> so. You thought you could escape my ears. Not a chance in Leoman's tiny hut, my good DMs. Maybe he's a blonde villain. He could be. I found you, and I couldn't be happier. (laughs) Just started listening with Zero. So excited for Gamma World and beyond. I was working at War Games West in Albuquerque when Cyborg Commando came out. We couldn't give them away. Though I didn't think it was bad, my favorite at the time was Weston's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I created a template called the Rogue Stormtrooper, nearly 30 years before Finn, if you're counting. Or 40. So where's this check? <laughs> where's that check, Disney? <laughs> yeah. Give David his check. <laughs> but in my game seller's opinion, Cyborg Commando was not Gary's worst game. That honor went to Legendary Adventures. That game went completely unsold. No one even Mm -hmm. wanted to try it. I bought a copy. (laughs) I've got a copy. I've always wanted to play it. But what got me is there was a total divorce of all common game terms. You didn't take damage. You took harm. You know, and everything like that was redone. And he originally wrote it for a computer game, which wouldn't have been so bad. But And I heard once you get used to it, it runs fine. But it's so hard to wrap my head around a lot of those terminology. I think I'd want to play with a group that was already aware and knew how to play before I tried. Sort of ease you in? Yeah. Oh, that that could be on the list for the uh, games to cover. Da-da-da! <laughs> Yeah, there were some guys down in Louisville, Blue Sponge. He and his crew were running Legendary Adventures for a while, a few years ago, back in the day, but I don't know about it anymore. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> but none of them beat Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, David goes on to say, So happy to hear your discourse again, if I haven't said it enough. Great show. Keep it going. Thanks. Show up to North Texas at RPG Con sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we'll go see your movies. <laughs> That's only fair. We'll we'll make the inevitable <laughs> Twin Peaks jokes. Yeah, yeah. Get them uh, out of the way first thing, and <laughs> Liz will bring the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just all I know. I never watched Twin Peaks. That's all that, I know is about donuts. That is an interesting insight into the selling of uh, Cyborg Commando beat out Legendary Journeys. That's Legendary Adventures. Yeah, Legendary Adventures. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're I got thinking Hercules you were mel- melding it with Dangerous Journeys. I think. <laughs> no, I was melding it with Hercules and Xena. Legendary. Journeys. <laughs> ah, Hercules. It was a. It was a show. It was a show. It certainly was a show. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking uh, of super babes, there was an episode of Cena. <laughs> oh, uh, wrong show. Sorry. <laughs> ah. Yes. Okay. Next email. 
All right. Our last email for this episode is from Gary Brown. Who's yeah. he? I don't know. Some some guy who runs first edition A D and D near where we live or something. Yeah. They just go through training rules too. Uh. No. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Anyways. Hi Gary. Hi, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> the bike list strikes again. Uh, Gary writes, Hey, half savers. Three things. One, really enjoying the broader theme of the show. It's fun to hear your take on espionage, post-apocalyptic, and sci-fi. Two. Secondly, the wompatorial erp <laughs> of GM's journal in episode six was excellent. We demand more. More! Hear, hear. Hear that, Wompatorial. Jim? More! <laughs> so crank some out in your copious amounts of free time. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm totally on board with the wompatorial. We should call it that now. <laughs> Gotta make a whole new header. Yeah. Hit bumper. <laughs> Live from the Wampatorio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he goes on to say, I agree that the right combination of players and GM will have a great time with any game, as long as expectations are understood from the start. It's really a matter of buy-in. The RPGs that have repulsed me over the years had much more to do with subject matter rather than system. Three, lastly, when a save for half is made, do you ever wonder which half is spared, front or back, top or bottom, right side or left, the better half, perhaps, or is that just me, Gary B? (laughs) Actually, the other half is the show idea for covering a B team. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Wait, because then that would mean we'd have to be the one to take the damage. So no, we can't do that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to take the other half of damage. Somebody's going to take it. (laughs) Well, thanks for writing, Gary. And hang in there. We're looking forward to gaming in the new year, hopefully. Everything calms down from the crazy, crazy holidays. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Ugh. And and thanks (sighs) for writing. And if people want to write us, they can write us at... Liz? Save for half podcast at gmail.com. She's reading off a cue card. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she's got crib notes. Uh, I, I know what Mike's like. He she tra- wrote him on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Mike always tries to make other people read out the email address or back when we were doing save or die and we had the the voicemail number it's like and what number would you call it's like like, he's going to call on me i know he's going to call on me so i always had it up on my screen because (laughs) because it's like he'd go and jim what's the email and liz what's the phone number (laughs) although speaking of Um, yes. It's been another change of hosts, and one of the old B teamers, DM Crispy, has stood up to, with DM Carl to uh, do the Save or Die podcast. And he wished them luck and wished the other guys, James, Eric, and Glenn. Eric and Glenn, thank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> are now going over to do a uh, Tank Cars Tavern podcast. So, everybody oh. keep an eye for that. Yes, Any indeed. <laughs> and any other announcements? Hmm. Or thinking of stuff? I, I would just like to take this opportunity to apologize once again for Super Babes. It was my <laughs> idea to cover this show, and, and 
Well, she Cormac had to sit in the corner for a week. A supers game, so you know he kind of put you on the path. But yeah. Well, we could have done champions. We we, we could have, <laughs> but everybody does champions, and I thought you know let's let's do something that doesn't often get covered, and sometimes Especially, there's a reason that things don't often get covered. But but it's a, but yeah. it's a simple system where the character starts with six hundred points. <laughs> Just a very simple sit- Anyway. All right. Well, then, I guess, barring anything else, we will have our incredibly cool commercial break and then head into part two of the interview with Tim Kask. Yes. Already in progress. Into a world without nearly enough quality gamer podcasts they came. The Grognard Files, a podcast about role-playing games from back in the day. You know they're experts because they speak with British accents. Find them at armchairadventureblog.com, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are served. say, yeah, I figure that I'd start to learn a good mix. Space Trader Vic came up in this one. Of course, Civilization was real big then. Mm-hmm. Good RPG players was it's the it's the innate teacher in me. Lots of the articles I chose to publish in all the magazines that I did were ones that I hoped would just create some thought. You know, somebody said something about what's a power trip. And I said, I'll tell you what a power trip is. And this is back when I was with the Dragon. A power trip is knowing that every month you reach out across the ether, open the top of 80 or 90,000 skulls and massage their brains a little. They don't have to like it. In fact, I used to love the letters, the four-page letters of why somebody thought this was bullshit. And I encourage them to write an article, you know. And I thought every time I get one of those, boy, I really made that person think. And then, yeah. then I know there was dozens of others that weren't moved to write. So the power in publishing is knowing that you're reaching out and massaging. And all I wanted to do was massage their brains and say, play games, play games, play games, because that's the environment I was literally raised in. As you'll see, if you go watch my latest YouTube, I talk about family I was raised in and the games we played and stuff. Uh, I'm I'm genetically coded to be a gamer. And I explain why on there. That's my, it's just on YouTube under my name, Tim Kaz. Anybody listening? Liv, anything else for adventure gaming? Oh, I think that about covers it. I'm it's just like genius this was. I'm I'm sorry that it didn't go on for any longer than it did. It, oh, believe me, I'm sorry I lost all the money on it. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. Let's well, hopefully you. you've got some back issues because some of them are going for pretty decent money. Uh, well, yeah, I, I even had a JD cartoon in here. How's that? Huh? Jerry Ball, he's a Brit. He kind of like did an, an internship at Ralph Partha. And uh, then I had yeah, Neff. He did some nice stuff. I'm looking at some of this now. 
Yeah, it was it was interesting. I don't, and I had some cute yeah. little one-panel cartoons. Reminded me of some of the pieces in the old Dungeon Master's Guide. You know. <laughs> well, I I always believed that you should. I really dislike the idea of the long gray lines of copy. So I always believed in breaking up the page to make it more appealing to the eye and to. Give your eye a minute to refocus, readjust, blink a couple times, look at the pretty picture, and then go back to pouring through the the, the type. Mm -hmm. And so um, if if that little break can give you a chuckle, so much the better. Dirt was something I didn't, we didn't dragon. That was just four white eyeballs on black panels, two guys in a a (laughs) cell. It's silly how much of a positive response we got to the first few of those we did. I think, you know, people like to take a mental breath, have a chuckle, and continue reading. Because if they're like me, you know, they, as soon as they get a magazine they love, they sit down and they, they book time and they read it from cover to cover, or as close as they can get. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first got the little Traveler Black books back in the late 70s. And, you know, it was a good game. It had a lot of info, but it was just wall-to-wall text. No pictures at all. Yeah, I know. It was a hard slog. And oddly enough, I was myself on Strategic Reviews and found one of Tim's that had a Mark Miller cartoon in it, just like you were talking about. It wasn't Dirt, but it was a different one. Mark Miller. I like looking at Signature going, I didn't know Mark Miller did cartoons. Uh, I (laughs) I think I published a couple of pieces by him, come to think of it. Yeah. I, I think I did maybe three altogether, because huh. there may have still been one of his in the slush pile uh, when I when I went, you know, converted from strategic review to uh, Dragon. There, he may still have had them. Sometimes I published stuff I didn't even know whose it was until I went back and you know looked on the back of it, or and it just had a name and you know an address or whatever, return address, whatever. I kept a pile of the envelopes that the stuff came in. But if it if it made the slush pile, well, sometime it'll get used. I still have the remnants of my adventure gaming slush pile here in my basement, right over there. Ah, so Artwork, after adventure gaming, you pretty much skipped the hobby for a few decades. Yeah, about 84 or 85, I dropped out of the hobby. Didn't come back in until uh, 2006 when I went back to a Gen Con auction with Frank Menser. Got a standing ovation for not being dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's always nice. Yeah, it was probably quite surprising, I can tell you that. <laughs> I was quite taken aback by it. There were some hilarious stories about what had happened to me and why I just dropped off the face of the earth. And Oh, there's some great stuff. And they were early uh, internet urban legends, I guess. I don't know, rumors <laughs> and cons. Uh, the best one was that I had joined a monastery up in the North Woods, right by the Canadian border and taken a vow of silence. <laughs> yeah, it must have mean my tongue was cut out. My vocal yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> wow, that's a tough yeah. one. Because even if without a tongue, I'd been grunting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got out for quite a while. And yep. um, uh, what triggered me back in slightly before Frank contacted me, Frank saw me selling textbooks online and reached out and said, are you that Tim? K-? And I go, yeah, I am. And so that's how Frank and I met. I, I There's a PC game that I have played all three iterations of called uh, Age of Wonders. And in the second iteration, they had a... Um, a map maker, basically a, a builder program in it. I got involved in that and I started, they call them maps, gamers would call them scenarios. I started designing scenarios for this game and uh, got some pretty good responses on, you know, some pretty good ratings on my scenarios. So I got in touch with this guy from um, New Zealand and there was a big mod. This game was out of print longer than, or was, was unsupported through probably two thirds of its lifespan. Only a year and a half ago did the original company 
resurrect it and take it back over and put out the last the latest iteration but the fan base was tens of thousands strong across the world and it had the one guy could host and up to five other people could play so it was a very early model of being able to play online not massive certainly not limited to about I don't know however many of the game limits to six or six or eight, I think. And so I, I it appealed to me because I'd, I'd log on late at night. And I'm playing with this guy from the Ukraine and this guy from New Zealand and some guy from China and two guys from Britain. And, you know, that was, to me, pretty novel at the time. It was and kind of so, an early roll 20. We actually played on the map on somebody's computer and the program let them in to manipulate their forces. So okay. it, was, it was the actual map, not a mock-up of the map it was the actual map and anyway i got asked to uh do some work on a mod that was going to uh we were going to remod a mod because there'd been a patch put out a big big comprehensive patch and so that's where i found out i could still do this when he sent me some sprites and said yeah we need to add more heroes i just looked at them i knew what races they belonged to i just they didn't but i did and so Two hours later, I sent him back all the sprites with all the write-ups and everything, and I realized I could do it. So I started doing more of it, and he and I completely redid this enormous mod, added new races and new heroes and artifacts and you know, all the role-playing trappings. And uh, then about that time, Frank got a hold of me, and I realized, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd always been an editor and only forced to write to fill a hole. But I found out I still had some creative juices bubbling around in there, so uh, I got back involved. Then came the opportunity for Gygax Magazine. Gygax Magazine. I was approached by Jason Elliott at a Gary Con. He wanted to pay me to consult on how to start a magazine. And I said, okay. And we agreed on a price. And and we immediately, in the first meeting, used up two-thirds of the agreed price. And we knew that we were nowhere near done laying out what needed to be done so i ended up with a small piece a very very small piece of the company i got paid every issue with a box of magazines (laughs) i have a lot of magazines out in my garage but only uh, five or six complete sets because for some reason i must have three must have been popular and maybe i sold an extra dozen to the local game store or something he sat down picked my brain for a couple hours at gary con and then a couple more hours on the phone He had all these other people lined up, most of whom I did not know at the time. They were going to handle the various aspects because we were trying futilely, as it worked to prove out, we were trying to to produce something like Wired or um, something very uh, now cutting edge, contemporary in style and design about games. And there is so much to cover now. We divided up the classes, the types of games and said, okay, we can't have more than X percentage on this or X percentage on that. And, of course, the first one immediately violated that. If you didn't know any better, you thought it was a damn role-playing magazine. <laughs> Another role-playing magazine. So Tim was not happy. Tim conveyed his unhappiness to the powers that be. And Tim was made into now a person on the masthead who actually had some say-so. It That'll was, show you. Well, it was now, let's, let's work it putting in a better mix. Let's find our market by scatter shots. What do we hit? You know, I may throw a bunch of handful at the wall and what sticks. Then they absolutely butchered a magazine, an article that I spent an inordinate amount of time on. Um, the person that was assigned to edit it apparently was not a gamer. Uh, it was a very long article. The cutting part, okay, it had to be cut. There were a bunch of other stuff that could have been cut that wasn't. 
in both mine and Jason's opinion. Yes, sadly, she cut out. The most interesting part to any gamer is about odd dice that the game might have. And this game's got really odd dice. So she cut the entire sidebar about the odd dice. I've known gamers that buy a game to get the dice. Yeah. (laughs) Dice always are interesting. Guilty. Yeah. The article got got butchered, so I insisted that we go to the the website, put a link to the correct article as it was sent in. We contacted all our subscribers by email saying uh, that article got screwed up in the layout. Here's the actual article. That person was no longer doing that. So I didn't have any, nor did I want any hiring and firing the incompetence revealed themselves within the first couple of magazines. I liked what we were doing. I thought we were on the right track. I liked the participation of the two Gygax brothers. And then the evil Hydra raised her head. Yeah, that was a... Talk about things, or... <laughs> I was going to say, that was a shame. That was a shame. Yeah, yeah because she, bas- she, basically, she basically deprived the siblings of the right to use their own names. Oh, that sucks. Cannot do any kind of gaming product and, and that features their name on it. She has locked up trademarks on the name Gygax in about 65, literally 65 different areas of games, gaming-related stuff. I don't think she could have won ultimately. I don't think she could have ultimately prevailed and forced them to not use their name, but there was no way in hell that Gygax magazine could afford to fight her. So the bitch won. Yeah, that's kind of what happened, if I'm recalling correctly, that's kind of what happened to Gary when he was doing his dangerous journeys. Technically, he was in the right, but the lawsuit was going to was going to kill him. Well, it was only one of a series of colossally stupid blunders that she made. Immediately after Gary's death, she pulled everything off the shelves. Yeah, I what remember she, Troll Lord was just getting Castle Zagig out at that time. And they were forced to pull it. If she had been smart, cynic, call me what you will, everybody knows that when somebody dies, their stuff goes up. Painter, musician, Any designer, okay? Had she had a shred of business sense, she'd have picked up the phone, and instead of saying to Trollos, pull everything off the shelves, she'd have said, run an extra 5,000 copies of everything. Again, she'd have sold them. People running out to get Gary's last stuff. Call it cynical, call it morbid. It is a fact, it is a historical fact that the majority of cases, when someone passes, their work left behind becomes more valuable, especially if it's tangible. But so that's Magazine the guy made it to, magazine. Yeah, you made it to issue five, right? Six. We six. Made six. I, I will admit that enforcing my vision... I was forced to use two rather large articles that I had to write myself to maintain the balance. Not only did I do the one on samurai battles, I also wrote the seafaring rules, Master Mariner, for all the gamers who are sitting around with a box full of those silly little plastic ships that you bought, like baseball cards and put together. You know, the the Kids game. I can't remember the, the name. Pirates, uh, the, pirates of every ocean or sea that you never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> one sea cycle after another. And I'm one of those people, the only because a good friend of my son's mom worked at WizKids here in Cincinnati, and I have entire sets bricked and shrink-wrapped before they ever got into the envelopes. <laughs> so I have two tubs of these ships, <laughs> and one it's tub is unassembled. There's probably four tubs if I assembled them all. There's probably four tubs worth of ships. 
So I wrote Master Mariner. And it's like chainmail simple. But it's something to do with all those ships you got laying around. That's what we were trying to do. That vibe was what we were going for in Gygax Magazine. How to have more fun with what you got. Hey, here's a neat game. Have you thought about doing this kind of game? I did a column that was used as a space filler called The Bottom of the Pile. And I wrote up, I think, 10 game descriptions of games that I thought were worth a look, especially if you saw one on auction or something, you know, or inexpensive, that I thought were good games that had been overlooked at the time they came out. And they used them to this issue, three the next, you know, fill in space. But they were all good board games. And they were all different. Not Avalon Hill, not SPI, not Victory Games, you know, pushing chits. But, you know, different concepts. Because, again, Jason and I shared the hubris to think that we could help gamers be better. <laughs> and have more fun. In the I end, could... that's kind of what it comes down to, isn't it? Sorry, Corbett. Oh, no, I was just going to ask a question or something. Sure. I don't want to sound insulting. I love Gygax Magazine. It was a great throwback to Dragon, which you did a great job on. Yeah, gee, I wonder why that was. <laughs> <laughs> but a fan it, of Dragon and a former editor of Dragon putting out a new magazine. Golly, how surprising is that? Well, but the thing was, the difference I noticed, that, that at least I felt, was that Gygax Magazine felt kind of quilted. I mean, like the, the the articles were all together, and they were they were very different and varied. But in Dragon, I could be reading along and like, what? We can have a submachine gun as a fighter? Oh, it's a top secret article. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just like read through like it's like it's seamless. It feels all like it's one big game, and it felt a little dis. Is it? Well, I had nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I had truly, I had nothing to do with art selection. Obviously, I had nothing to do with layout or my masterwork on samurai battles would not have been butchered as it was okay believe me <laughs> i'd have cut somebody else's article before i'd cut my own <laughs> i had nothing to do with that yeah we hadn't really found a uh i thought i think it was less quilty by five and six because i think we'd found a vibe we were going to uh one was way too much role playing i was very upset with that again i had nothing to do i didn't I didn't choose the articles. People out on the East Coast did, you know, because that's where most of the rest of the staff was, was out where Jason was. Now, of course, he's in San Francisco. I had nothing to do with that. I don't know what he had available because, like I said, I had to write a couple, three articles or pieces to tide us over until we got more stuff coming in that was, you know, worth publishing or at least worth making publishable. Sometimes, you know, you can spend an hour or two on a piece and, and it, it, it's worth it. Sometimes you look at a piece, it goes, great ideas, but I can't possibly figure out what he really meant. So I'm not going to waste the time. Again, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. They had more topics and more areas to hit than I did. I had fantasy board games. I had role-playing games. And I had fantasy miniatures. We're mainly sold and not games. So, yeah, everything I published was the same stuff. <laughs> It was fantasy and science fiction. It, it was, was awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was the same stuff. It was it was all in the same genre. Uh, Gagax Magazine tried to pay attention to board games. Board games right now have never been more popular than what they are right now, both here and in Europe. Downtown Cincinnati, we have a bar that features board games, and they're busy every night. Come in, grab a game, get some finger foods, have a beer or two. They got all kinds of craft beers and stuff. Uh, and Cincinnati's was late to the party on that. There's several other cities that do this. So we had more more areas to shoot at. 
And so I'm, I'm not surprised that it feels a little more herky-jerky. I think, again, given a few issues, we'd have found a pace where after you were a loyal reader for five or six issues, you'd be more in tune with what we were doing. We'd be more in tune with what you wanted. But we really never got the chance. And again, I had very little input on that aspect. And I don't even I'm not even saying I might have done it better. I might have done it differently, but that's all. I certainly wouldn't have done the first one with all the role playing in it. That was, that was all the, the East Coast people just going crazy and indulging themselves. And I don't mean that necessarily as a, as, a, as a, it's just what it was. And I'm still friends with everybody except the person that butchered my, <laughs> butchered my heart. I'm still friends with them all. If it had been different, or, or if one of those people came to you right now and said, I want you to be editor-in-chief of the next magazine. Nope. Okay. <laughs> with, with a big bucket of money involved? Uh, retard. Okay. It had to be a lot of money, and it had Back to be the truck up. It had money. to be a lot of money, and it would have to be a supervisory. Pull it all together. Decide what ingredients are going into the mixed oversight position, where I was minimally required to produce stuff on my own. Master so we chef. need a lot of money. <laughs> Or, or a lot of flunkies. Well, I want to do bespoke adventures for people. Send me your group's uh, character sheets. You know, pay, well, obviously we settle on a price. You send me your char- your players' character sheets. I devise an, a challenging adventure with your people in mind, uh, working to their strengths and their weaknesses. You uh, get me there. You feed me some food. You put me up if I have to stay overnight, and I go home. And you get a one of a kind adventure written especially for you and your group. That- Sounds pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Adventures to order. Exactly. Bespoke adventures. I call it. Cask in a can. (laughs) Yeah, and you have to spell can with a K. (laughs) But yeah, I call it the theater of the mind. I'll I'll come around and let you into my theater. That is amazing. So no magazines in your future, but it sounds like you're. There aren't any on the four. Your toe in the the waters for projects. Um, Four is your limit. Four four major gaming magazines. That's it. Yeah, I got to draw the line somewhere. You know, I mean, I'm. I've had my finger in probably the foremost influential of all the, of them all. So I think I've made my mark there. I'm retired. I've got three adventures still boiling around in the back of my head that I haven't written yet that I've been percolating for one of them a, a number of years. And I'm going to eventually write those out and self-publish, whatever. I don't know. Eventually, I'll get them out. And I have great-grandchildren to raise and nur- you know, help raise and nurture and impart wisdom to. And that I go is. to... I go to four cons each year. I don't go to Gen Con. I won't be going to Gen Con anymore. But I get to go to four conventions each year in uh, different places in the country. And I get to play games and meet new people and make friends. Life's good. I just beat cancer. I just got a clean bill of health from my heart doctor. My lungs are great. Everything's in good shape. Congrats. I'm a buttload of weight. Now, it's a hell of an Cancer is a hell of an effective diet. But it's not <laughs> one that I would ever recommend to anyone. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's rough but effective yeah they throw away all my clothes and buy new clothes literally all my stuff was too big hung on me jim can tell you i look look like i was wearing my big brother's pants so you didn't like, keep a couple as like fat jeans or anything no 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 <laughs> but i did keep all the t-shirts and i'm sending them to my sister next week who is a master with needle and thread and a absolute whiz at making quilts and i'm gonna have a quilt made out of about two dozen or more convention shirts of course it's gonna That's be predominantly awesome. black <laughs> 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 it's gonna have a lot of black in it because convention shirts are black so often 
but yeah, I've got stuff that goes back to Gary, Gary Khan one and stuff like that. I'm going to have put into it. So I'll have uh, ones that I have my name on, ones that I have my face. Total Con put my Frank's and my face on one one year. Uh, Silver Car- Belay? Hmm? The Silver Belay? Is that shirt <laughs> part of it? No, no, no. Um, okay. No, they put our face. Uh, they put our face in the, on the T-shirt that they did that year. It was uh, the year that the Mayan calendar said we were all going to die. And <laughs> they had this archway carvings, Mayan carvings, and Frank's and my face were carved on one side of them. And some other guy that was a guest was carved on the other side. And it was grab the games and run or something like that. I don't know. It was fun. And my granddaughter, not my great-grand, they're too little. But my granddaughter, who's now a sophomore in high school, she just thought it was the neatest thing in the whole world that her grandpa's had his face on a T-shirt. And I couldn't get her a small one, but I got her the smallest one I could. So she figured out a real arty-farty way to tie it up and put a rubber band around it so that my face showed. (laughs) I was told later she went out on the bus stop that morning, kind of waiting for somebody to say something. He goes, that's my grandpa right there. (laughs) He's watching you. Well, Frank and I felt it was a signal honor to be on a T-shirt and not be dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most people you see on shirts are dead. (laughs) All right. Well, any other questions, Corbett, for Gygax Magazine? I actually have one that's more of an arbitrary all-around question, unless you want me to only ask Gygax Magazine questions. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Well, it's actually a Saturday Night Live question, I guess. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because you guys started playing back when snl started with the original cast and the the golden yeah. era of snl yeah, the original not readies yeah yeah and and they were replaced in 1980 i think with the the first run and i remember bill murray came back on and basically made the joke of oh you guys suck and nobody laughed because they did mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but as the bill murray of gaming <laughs> I do have I have I do have longevity on my side, okay. <laughs> I am a little snarky, okay. No, just as the, only as had the, his money, it'd be better, but okay. Yeah, yeah. but uh, as part of the original, not ready for gaming players. <laughs> yeah, last guy still alive. There you go. Would you still be looking at gaming as progressing forward the way you expected, or kind of? Uh, well, is it still funny, I guess. Is maybe the question. <laughs> What we expected was that it would get big, and it did, okay? So in that regard, Gary and I knew that it could get big and it would get big, and we, our faith was, you know, held it and did get big. There were a couple of times when we kind of looked at each other and went, whoa, let's slow down a second here. Things were racing ahead. I think gaming right now, and, and again, you can't just count RPGs if you're going to talk about gaming. Now, I know this is a podcast, and most of the people are RPGers, but not everybody that plays RPGs only plays RPGs. Not everybody that plays boards only plays boards. And I, I think that there are crossover games that are easier for people that have played certain board games that are easier transitions into uh, role-playing than there were per- certainly back back in the day. There are board games out there that are uh, relatively easy to transition to, you know, simple rules with a lot of fun. There's all the zombie games and, um, you know, Last Night on Earth and all its ramifications. Gaming right now is very healthy. I think it'll stay that way. There's an economic indicator that says it'll stay that way. Gaming's always done best when times financially were the tightest because gaming, you invest in the game. Now, I don't care if it's 1931 and you scrape up enough money to get a monopoly set for, you know, $2.10 or whatever they would cost back then. And, you know, it was a significant amount of money. But back then you could play Monopoly every Friday night for a year for that same 
$2.10. Gaming is a very good entertainment value. It's a very good investment for most gamers. <laughs> yeah, I got to back up there. There are some that get a little crazy. And sometimes I've gotten a little crazy too. I had over 4,000 tanks when I donated them to the museum <laughs> in Southern California. Micro tanks, but still I had over 4,000. 4, yeah. I've been amassing them for a long time. I was a tank hoarder. Not really. Um, but uh, oh, now I lost the train of thought. <laughs> train just Tank took it was it right the tanks. Out. The tanks did it. Yeah, the tank. Yeah, well, I'm a tanker at heart. Trampier and I played tanks every weekend almost when he, when we were there. Um, well, basically, gamers are, are all gamers, is, I think is what you were kind of... I think they can be, but none of us, no matter what we consider... You know, I consider myself a board gamer first, a miniaturist, and actually a role player last because of what I like to do how long I've done it. It's odd, I know, that my reputation is based on, on fantasy and role-playing, but I have four buddies that come over every other Wednesday, and we play board games. Jim will tell you, we did try to run a campaign locally a few years back, but it's really tough, and if you're not close friends, it sucks. Because we ended up with a couple of really annoying people in the group. Pathfinder players. Yeah, uh. I, think, I think that's either that or you know some lady. No, I'm sorry. It, it had nothing to do with them playing Pathfinder. They were just dicks. <laughs> I don't know well, what now, they, you don't have to edit the show, so you're gonna drop the D words. Yeah, just, <laughs> has to clean it up. just bleeps and blops. <laughs> no, you don't use the D word. Sorry if I'd known that. I bet listen, buddy, you got no idea how I've been editing. Yeah, well <laughs> Jim will tell you I got a real salty tongue. Jim uh, used to randomly bleep out words that I would say in our old podcasts, and I had not actually made any kind of swear comment. He would just go, beep, and it's like, Liz said a dirty word. It's like, no, I did it. Then everybody wants to know, which one was it? <laughs> which one was it? Oh, I apologize for calling those two guys. No. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they just sat there and expected that somehow all the information was going to magically come to them. I th they they must have been steeped in a system that was all about abilities and skills because they never asked any questions. They just expected information to fall out of the sky into their brains. Yeah, it's a different style of playing. Yeah. Just do their role and roll a die and then get the information. But... Well, but they and then they sat and talked to each other and, and, and had their own private conversations while the game's going on. They were rather annoying. Ah. It was still a good campaign, and it ran for a year. I enjoyed yeah, we it. we had fun. We had fun uh, for the most part overall, but I had to s suspend it because it was convention season coming up, and because they didn't go away, <laughs> I never got it back up. And now that store that we used to play at is closed, so I, I suppose I could if I wanted to, but I just wait for a local con and then go guinea pig the locals. Well, maybe they're just listening, last so now weekend. they'll know and uh, won't show up again. Well, I guinea pigged a bunch of locals last weekend. We had a great time. That's cool. Um, good getting new people in. I did a type of game I'd never done before. I've watched Frank do it a couple of times. And we ended up just, just laughing our butts off the whole time. And oddly enough, everyone was alive at the end. Wow. I, I didn't say, well, there have been two universal antidotes used up. So <laughs> there, there were deaths along the way. And a couple of them were pretty chopped up. And, and, and we, had, we had several funny, the, the way you play is, uh, it's a railroad type game. It, Everybody, I give everybody a card, um, uh, and then the next card, and they write two nouns on there. And then give me 10 minutes, I'll start the adventure, and uh, during the course of the adventure, at least one of the nouns on each of the cards will factor into the adventure. Of course, somebody asked me, uh, are we PG, or can we go R? And I looked around the table very significantly, and I said, well, I don't see any kids. 
So I thought, well, this will be fun. And uh, sure enough, I later found out it was a single lady at the table that her two things were a portal to another dimension and undead vixens. So <laughs> I, I gave them a portal to another dimension. They stepped through and they were immediately attacked by an entire covey of undead foxes. <laughs> but, um, I knew it was her when she looked over and gave me this look about, oh, you twisted that one well. <laughs> well done. And then, well and I, I won't tell you how many times, how many variations we had on a joke about licking the pickle. <laughs> and none of them are what you think they were. <laughs> Shame uh, on you. <laughs> kind of bad libs dungeoning here. Well, I was. And, and I found it to be extremely refreshing. I've done it before, I've been caught at a couple times at cons where. On Sunday, which is one of the reasons I don't do Sunday games anymore. But on Sunday, at least one person in the group that had signed up had played everything I'd already run that weekend. So what do you do? So I, I made up this thing about, and I gave them all these little mid-level, low-level pukey characters, and you know, nondescript. Told them they'd all been hired to guard a warehouse that was seemingly impregnable but wasn't. All those lovely new gold coins that you were given won't come out of your pockets, your purses, or your pouches. And in 36 hours, they will cut your legs off. And so they got to solve the crime and they run all over this enormous city that I have all mapped out and I made the map in that PC game. I've run that several times now. It never comes out the same. They almost they've always found it, you know, and, and not gotten their legs blown off. But it never comes out the same because they make the adventure up because I say, OK, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I go around the table like that. OK, you found this. You didn't find anything. And so they go off running off in other directions, and the, the adventure uh, weaves itself. This is similar to it, but I just decided I'd be in a big giant wheel like Metamorphosis Alpha, and they just have to keep marching ahead. And sure enough, there's the next place to get a key. <laughs> no side trips. We didn't need that. When I tried side tripping, I'd let them go and waste 10, 15 minutes, and then they'd come up on the wall of impenetrable vegetation full of uh, thorns dripping sap, and nobody wanted to climb that. And they got the hint, and they went back. Yeah, <laughs> Did the adventure. Yeah. Okay. Well, unless you have any more questions, Corbett, we'll wrap uh, this do, up. Do, let me let me answer one. You, we started to go earlier. I think the print magazines for gamers are gone. The only okay. print is a PDF. I don't think it's commercially viable to publish a gaming magazine today. Not our kind of games. I don't think it's possible. Grieves me deeply to say that. But yeah. I think the days of print gamer magazines are behind us. Oh, a and lot of like you print said, magazines I've been involved in, in general. Four. Yeah, well, yeah, there's lots yeah. of mags that have gone under. I know I've lots of ones that I used to subscribe to. Now I don't anymore because they don't publish. I don't think we'll see gaming published gaming magazines anymore except in print on demand. A pity, but you know, time goes on. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes? I, I can't talk about it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard a grouse. So, so I think it was an undead vixen myself. I, 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 I respectfully look at a pickle. <laughs> I respectfully disagree with the representative from Cincinnati. <laughs> you believe that we'll be able to make a physical magazine again someday? Uh, hmm. I'd love, I'd love for you to be right, but I, I, I think he's, I think he's trying having, to say he's working on one right now. <laughs> perhaps. But it's the advertising that's not got, there. It's got graph and everything. Well, I, I completely agree that the traditional newsstand uh, print mag gaming magazines are dead as a dodo. You might do one on POD. You might do one as PDF and they print them out themselves. There's no advertising to support it because there's so few companies. Well, I do know when I was still going for my BFA in design 
one of the courses that I took was all about publication design. And this was four or five years ago now, but even then they were telling us in the course, it's very, very difficult to do just a print magazine. You almost always, if you're going to go into print at all, you have to supplement with a downloadable version of the magazine because a lot of people are going to want to read on their tablets rather than get the print. But you also need to make sure, if you can, to have things to try to encourage people to get the print as well as your PDF, have stuff that's only available in the print version, and have things that are only available in the PDF version. So say you're reading an article on the print magazine and there's a link that you can go to, it'll take you to extra content on the web that you're only able to get to because you're a subscriber to the print. And this is probably far more than we need to go to in this episode. But <laughs> then if you're going to do that, that involves a whole nother level layer of work and editing. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody's got to maintain the site. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to put all those articles up. Uh, now you've just really complicated it. And again, the key is going to be getting advertising support to enable you to do this. And we we did not do well uh, at that and believe me we hit everybody and they just don't have the budgets they don't believe in a physical magazine we, we being this time gygax being the most recent it's tough out there lining up enough advertisers and if you only have a couple three you'll be perceived as a house organ quick as quick as the dickens always a, an issue to worry about all right well Thanks for coming on the show, Tim. We appreciate it. My pleasure. It. My yeah, pleasure. We loved having you. Yeah. My, Hopefully you can come pleasure. on again sometime. All my, right. I, well, I usually go where I'm invited. Often. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. thanks for coming on, and guess we'll be wrapping this up. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Free arc. And we are out. <laughs> Like a